Got a pocket full of condoms Out of the systems yeah. Got drugs on the island I'm counting in the kitchen Feel like I see better When I really can see Shawty, hungrier than ever But I still can't eat Little bitches pull me up Drugs on my rider I smoke too much Can't go much higher Guess that pants Drunk ass on fire Over, over Again, don't turn me up I can't go quiet on Torias I'm big with the vibe Can't open up But I can't go higher Over, over Again, yeah Sleep well Let me get my rest You know I never can Replaying all in my head Over, over but details, I'd rather spare You know I got no room left in my big, my big old head oh, oh, What is up? What is up, people? It is uh, the What The Hill Podcast. We're back for another round. Should be episode Ocho. ESPN 8, the Ocho. Today is uh, Sunday, February 27th. <coughs> no, it's actually the, the 28th. I said I was going to be a man of my word, recorded on the 27th. And I'll get to why I didn't record that on the uh, on the day that I said I would. Shame on me. Shame me now and forever. Got to be more committed. No, it's, uh, it is the 28th. I figured I'd do one on the last day of February. End the month on a high note. And uh, roll into March on a good foot. Why is it a high note? Who knows? Why not a low note? What's wrong with a low note? A little bit more bass, right, in the system? Anyway, we got a lot to get through. And uh, I know I always say it's going to be a 30-minute podcast and it goes for an hour and some change. But uh, I think I can do it this week. I believe in myself. So let's let's hop right in. Okay. Last week, I recorded an episode. But the week before, we were playing catch-up because I missed. Right? I was supposed to record on uh, on Sunday, but, but of course, I still have, to this day, this is supposed to be an every Sunday podcast, and I have not once jacked it and recorded on a Sunday. Will I change and just start recording on Mondays? Fuck no. Fuck no. I'm driven. I will find a way to record on Sundays. I just have to bring the same hype and energy to Sunday nights that I bring to Monday nights. But I think the key difference here is when I go into work on a Monday and I see all the bullshit fucking emails in my inbox and everybody bringing problems left and right and shit that should have gotten solved last week rolling into this week, and that's how we're starting it off. That's how we're kicking it off to start the week. It just sends me home in a, uh, what we'll call a mood. Three O's. A fucking mood. And so I just come uh, come into the cave, try to cool off, and then... uh, you know, I take all that, that good energy and throw it into a microphone. That's never gotten anybody in trouble, right? We'll keep rolling, though. Uh, so two weeks ago, I was in the ER. I got sick. Um, I was at work, had lunch, a frozen meal. We won't get into the details on what I ate, but it, ain't, it wasn't anything unhealthy. It was a good, quote-unquote, healthy frozen meal, if, uh, if such a meal does exist. And then after lunchtime, I started getting what we'll call the belches. Basically, my, I have a pretty strong, st- yeah, I got a strong stomach. Uh, that's, a, that's a little bit of a humble brag. I think I've thrown up in my life to this date 
four times. Let me walk this back. SpaghettiOs got me at age five or six. Traumatic experience. Don't eat them to this day. And then after that, I don't think I threw up again until college. And for those thinking that it was due to drinking in college, I will neither confirm nor deny. Neither. I won't say what it was or how many times in college I threw up. If you know, you know. But who said I even threw up in college because of drinking? Nobody. That's you making an assumption. And you know what assumptions do. And then, uh, let's see, after college, I got... The Air Force fucking... They, they force every vaccine down our throat. And uh, I'm not anti-vaccine, so fucking take a chill pill for anybody who's getting their their panties in a fucking bundle right now. All right? I'm not anti-vaccine. I just don't like getting the flu shot. You know why? Because I've never gotten the flu. I don't know. I don't know why I don't get it. I just don't. Born with a superior immune system. I just don't get the flu. Okay? I got strep throat my entire life. Every single year. Almost exactly on the same weekend in January. I know this because it was always my birthday weekend. I think I talked about that on another podcast, getting sick on my birthday when I was 21 and 22. Strep throat. So uh, I've been punched in the nuts a few times. Didn't keep me down. I bounced back up. I got my tonsils taken out. Ironically, I got them taken out when I was 19, so I don't know why I got sick on the, my 21st and 22nd. It was of the of the sorts of strep throat. Not quite the same. Still just like the general uh, achiness, fever, all that jazz. And so in my entire life I've thrown up, from what I can remember, four times. But never from working out, never from uh, sports. What else would I have? Yeah, never really from food except the SpaghettiOs. And then when the one time I... Oh, I know. I was talking about the flu shot. Yeah. So I got the flu shot, and they're like, it doesn't actually give you the flu, right? All of a sudden, literally within 24 hours, I have essentially the flu. I'm running like a 103 fever. I got the chills, the body aches. I'm struggling. And I remember it kick-started because I had a cup of coffee in the morning, and then all of a sudden it just sat in my stomach, and I couldn't get anything to just go down. It was just sitting there, and you feel that pressure build up, and you're like, you fucking kidding me. It's going to be one of those days. And then out of nowhere, I was in front of the toilet. And it lasted about 48 hours. And uh, so since then, I always do my best to avoid the flu shot. Air Force still somehow finds a way to jab it in my arm. But, uh, you know, why are we giving people vaccines that don't ever... I still, to this day, knock on wood. There's no wood around me. Um... Knock on the sofa. I have never gotten the flu. I'll probably get it next week. But what I did have this past Monday, two Mondays ago, two Mondays ago, which was right after the Super Bowl, was either food poisoning from what Sophia made on Sunday. <laughs> She's going to kill me. It wasn't that. No, she made some good stuff on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, I, th- I don't know what it was from. I had my lunch, and then all of a sudden it just it wouldn't – it just felt the pressure, and I started – Getting the, I started belching, and I just was really, really uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden, I started feeling um, a little bit of aches and pains, like I was starting to run a little bit of a light fever. And that was around noon, and by like 
2.30 or 3, I was like, fuck, I'm getting smacked in the face by this thing. It's coming out quick. So I went home. Um, and then I just laid in bed. I tried to nap, and I, I just couldn't get comfortable. Every time I moved, it was like stuff was, uh, air was just coming out of my stomach. And again, like my body fights throwing up. My body will fight to keep the food down because I don't do well once I throw up. I That actually makes me struggle more. And uh, you'd believe it. Of course, about 30 minutes into being home, I was on my hands and knees performing an act. That should get the imaginations flowing. No, I was in front of a toilet. Not in a disgusting way. The seat was up, okay? And it was clear water. And nobody else was in front of me on the toilet. Just me, myself, and I in <laughs> a clean toilet bowl. And uh, yak city. That's what it was. And then normally, so I thought it was food poison initially. Because uh, I thought, okay, it's going to come up. I'm going to feel better, right? Maybe whatever doesn't come up will come out the other side. And, uh, you know, it'll be a happy Tuesday. That was not the case. After I threw up, I still just felt like trash. Next thing you know, I'm back laying in bed, fever spiking to 102, 103, can't get comfortable, can't sleep for more than like 10 minutes. My legs at this point are literally shaking, absolutely shaking. And I didn't, uh, not to get too visual, but it was mostly liquid, so it wasn't food coming back up, which was kind of, you know, relieving. And then uh, about two, maybe three hours later, I thought it was in the clear. I couldn't keep any medicine down. That was the other thing. Like, I just, I couldn't put the medicine and feel like it was kicking in. Like, two, three hours later, I was back in front of the toilet. And then two or three liters after, uh, hours later after that, I was back in front of it again. So I threw up more in one Monday than I had in my entire life combined to that point. I ended up throwing up like five or six times. And each time, it was a, it was a stomach full of just pure liquid. Think about that. I hadn't put anything in my body. It was not, I couldn't, they were like, drink fluids, right? Everyone says, you just sip on fluids. Fuck no, I can't even, I couldn't sip on the fluids. Nothing would stay there. It just made it even more uncomfortable. You know, like when you eat way too much food, you're super hungry, you sit down at the dinner table, like Thanksgiving, think of Thanksgiving meal. You know you shouldn't go back for seconds. You're not that hungry, but you still do it, and you stuff your face, and then you get like that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach. You're unbuttoning your jeans at that point. In front of family, you just don't care anymore. Accept it. I'm an animal. That's how I felt times two or three. Oh, it was just so much pressure on my stomach, and uh, you know, so feels like gonna be like, is it time? Do we need to go to the doctor? I'm um, I'm not anti-doctor. Just like I'm not anti-vaccine. But I also like to tell myself not to be a little bitch. Okay. I'm not going to go to the doctor unless they can actually do something for me. I don't like to go to the doctor to have them tell me what I already know about my body. Which is what I knew that they would do. But they had they had a couple things I didn't have. That being an IV for fluids. And that being Zofran. And if you don't know about Zofran, bless your heart. It's a little bit of a miracle drug when it comes to nausea. I don't know what's in it because it's the smallest freaking pill in the world. And uh, it makes my tummy happy. 
if they could take a little bit of Zofran and put it in like Pepto Bismol, wouldn't that be great? They should sell Zofran over the counter. What's so bad about it? Who abuses nausea drugs? Maybe like binge drinkers. But I mean, let them do it then. At that point, I don't. Th- yeah, you can't buy Zofran over the counter. You should be able to. Anyway, um, yeah, I got to the point where I looked at her and I was starting to get pretty dizzy. Eyes were starting to roll back. I felt my my head felt like a uh, a newborn baby. I just couldn't keep it still. Like it was just bobbing everywhere. And like I said, my uh, my legs were starting to cramp and spasm pretty good. Like you could vi- visibly see my calf muscles and my uh, and my my thigh muscles just spasming, kind of nonstop. And so I couldn't get comfortable enough to actually sleep. Couldn't take medicine, and finally I looked at her. I was like, "Yeah, let's go." And uh, our neighbor, who was a saint, came across the street. She watched Olivia, who was well. She didn't really watch her. She just sat in the house because Olivia was asleep. So if she watched Olivia while she's asleep, then we have other issues. Um, went to the doc, and and like I said, they <laughs> they told me exactly what I already knew. But they they then, you know, I'm a mar- I don't know. They gave me an IV. They gave me uh, two, three bags of IVs and gave me Zofran. What do you know? Called that one, didn't I? You can ask my wife, too. You don't believe me. Fucking reach out to my wife, and she will tell you. When I said, let's go, I'm, they're going to give me an IV, and they're going to give me a Zofran. And that's exactly the two things that my body needs to start getting over the hump to be able to fight this thing. It's not gonna, It's not going to make me healthy. Or, uh, you know, sick proof here in the next couple hours. But it will give my body the edge it needs to fight this thing off. And that is 2AT, exactly what happened. We went to the north side of Abilene. It wasn't busy. We were there for five minutes. We got in, which was great. Um, the doc was it was kind of funny because he, he asked if I had taken any medicine. And I told him I had taken some type of nausea medicine. But I didn't know what it was called. And he instantly said, well, where'd you get it? And I want to be like, well, where do you think I got the medication? From a fucking pharmacy, you idiot. But he he acted like I bought nausea medicine pills off the street corner. Like, who'd you get it from? It's like, I don't know. I've had it for like four years. Honestly, it was probably the same medication that they gave me uh, when I had the flu shot and then I got sick. It was probably still left over from that. Probably wasn't good at that point. Maybe that's why I kept on throwing up. It was probably expired medication instead of helping my stomach made me throw up more self-induced. Maybe I don't know, but it was the only thing that I could find that was nausea related. And I said, fuck it. I'm taking it at this point. I, I, I need anything. Um, they told me upwards of like 49, 50 times to sip on fluids. And they told me not soda sports drinks. I was like, I'm not six. I, I got it. I've been sick once or twice. I know how this works. Okay, I'm not going to go chug water. They kept on saying, don't chug water. Don't chug anything. No shit. Okay. Wasn't born yesterday. But at that point, you know, they bless their hearts. They were doing a phenomenal job. They got me feeling better. And uh, when you go, whenever you go to an ER, you're just dreading how many people are going to be sitting in there. And a lot of them just look like, like freaks. And, uh. We had a good experience. I was in and out in probably three, four hours. Felt way back. Like, I probably went in there 
at a seven or eight out of ten. I was hurting. Like I said, I was I was struggling to walk straight. Um, I was miserable. Put it that way. They ran my they of course drew blood, ran the test, came back, and he's like, Yeah, your kidney's taking quite the beating right now. So you could see how dehydrated I was just from the, the blood that they were pulling from my, my kidney or whatever. However they see that, I'm no doc. And I said, Yeah, no shit, that's that's what the, the throwing up of all this liquid has been. I know I'm dehydrated. That's why I'm here. But he just confirmed it for me to make me feel good. And uh, three, four hours later, went home probably feeling like a uh, a four out of ten. I got some decent sleep. And I'd say Tuesday, Tuesday I stayed home sick because I was still running a fever. Upwards of like 101. Just, But it was it was manageable. At that point, I could actually take some medicine and keep it down. I didn't throw up at after that point. Um, still was just uncomfortable. I didn't eat for like, it ended up being about 48 to 72 hours right in between there. Two to three days, I didn't eat anything except uh, day two and a half. I had like two pieces of bread with some peanut butter. I guess we'll call it toast. Toast and peanut butter. That was the only thing I ate. So I was hoping that maybe I would hit my goal. <laughs> That's so bad. I was hoping, because that was what, February, oh, that was Valentine's Day. That's right, spent Valentine's Day with my wife in the uh, in the hospital. Shout out to her, she's a trooper. She's an absolute trooper. Um, outside of her driving me to the hospital, she was an absolute saint um, by my side, and just, you know, she didn't bitch, which was nice. She, uh, she told the docs all the right things. She was just... Like a really, really good emotional support animal, but in human form, in wife version. And I I say about her drive to the hospital, because I asked her to take the interstate. She's going to grill me for this, too. She always does. Here's what she does. She now looks forward. The, the woman who didn't listen to the first two or three podcasts, right? I think it was the first two. She didn't even listen to them for the first two weeks. And now she looks forward to the podcasts just to hear me bitch about probably her. And then will send me passive-aggressive text messages throughout the day. And so I know she's going to listen to this tomorrow and send me something. She called me buddy today on purpose. There will be payback for that. If you've listened to the podcast before, I don't like being called buddy. And now she's using my own podcast comedy against me. Like a little twat. That's what twats do. But I asked her to take the interstate. All the way there. It's the smoothest ride. And I was about to yak in her car. Right? This is when we were going to the hospital. I felt like shit. And she exited halfway to the hospital and got off the interstate because she didn't realize that if you kept going on the interstate for another five minutes, it actually wraps around and takes you about two minutes from the hospital. So then we spent the next ten minutes driving and stop and go there's just a bunch of lights and so every time we hit a red light she'd hit the brakes and then a green light then we'd hit you know obviously hit the gas because that's how driving works and then she tried to turn left down a one way in the wrong direction and uh, thank goodness I was paying attention <laughs> I kind of yelled at her maybe because I didn't want to get killed on the way to the hospital I don't want to die while I'm sick it was, just, it was just classic Sophia driving. 
I think that's why I felt sick was I just I felt sick to my stomach knowing I was in the passenger seat with no control and uh, my lovely wife behind the wheel. It's just it stresses me out and makes me even more sick to my stomach knowing that I, I have to be I have to try to be nice. Be like, hey, sweetie, that's a one way. You don't want to go that way. See the way the one ways work. <laughs> oh, just having to school her. But outside of that, she was she was phenomenal. So I will. uh I will pass some kudos her direction, but that's why I missed the podcast because, yeah, Tuesday was still just uh, fighting the good fight. And, and by Wednesday, I was like, ah, do I really do I want to do one this week? Or do I just wait until the following Sunday? And so I just I took a we took a week off, a little hiatus. And then that's why we were behind on the Super Bowl stuff. But so my apologies for um, being a little pussy and not not recording a podcast that Monday night. I should have just taken my equipment to the to the hospital. How funny would that would been as I'm getting nursed back to life the funniest thing though while while we were in the hospital um the nurse was an absolute sweetheart and she was a grandma but she probably looked like she was in her 40s so I'll, I'll give her a little bit of credit she didn't look like a like a gam gam um that doesn't mean I found her attractive I'm just saying that she didn't look like a grandma okay she was a hard-working lady working the night shift and she she's a travel nurse so she's trying to provide for these grandkids I don't know if that's true, but she is a travel nurse. And uh, so, so her and Sophia going back and forth, talking about nurse and stuff. And it became really, really apparent that the healthcare workforce is hurting so bad for nurses that they're pushing out nurses with little to no experience right out of school. They're getting paid the big bucks and they're sticking needles in people's arms. And I heard it firsthand from oh man I wish I remembered her name she was so nice she was basically saying it it is scary as a as a fellow nurse to know how many nurses are coming out of school with little to no experience going right into the workforce and they're reading people's charts they're administering administering uh you know drugs obviously and more than just IVs and it's just something that's scary if you fuck it up right like you're Whenever you go to the hospital or a clinic, you are putting your trust in that healthcare worker's hands that they are properly trained and they have the experience to do the job to the best of their abilities. And unfortunately, naturally, humans make mistakes, especially when they're inexperienced. And it was uh, it was eye-opening to hear it from another nurse with 20-plus years of experience that she's like, yeah, it's I'd be pretty worried if I came to the hospital. As I'm sitting in the hospital... Mind you, when she went to go hit me with the IV, she tried to do it in the back of my hand, right? And uh, I don't have a whole lot of meat on the back of my hand, a.k.a. fat. Doesn't mean I'm shredded. Just not a whole lot of uh, wiggle room there. And she's like, oh, yeah, you got good veins, which is always what nurses will tell you before they misstick you. And she went to go stick me, and what happened? She popped the blood vessel. Swing and a miss. Hey, bada 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 swing bada. She swung and she missed. Strike three. She was out. I should have yelled at her. Told her to get the fuck out of the room. I didn't do that. That was a. She said, "Uh, you could tell she started to panic a little bit. She's like, oops." She asked the other lady for a cotton ball. She's like, "I missed," and I busted the the vessel and I am looking away 
not because I don't like needles. It just helps me calm myself, right, and not twitch. Um, and so whenever I'm about to get stuck with a, ne a needle, I just look the other direction, wiggle my toes, and just take a nice deep breath out. And it's relaxing. And then it's just a little pinch, and I'm good. That's my technique. It just keeps me calm at all times. Because, uh, you know, the needles are needles. A lot of people don't like them. And she said, yeah, I popped this vessel. And just, so, you know, softly as ever, I'm looking the other direction. I go, yeah, I felt like it. <laughs> as she's about to stick me with another needle, I'm tossing her a hard time. Uh, granted, I don't have any IVs in me, so I still feel like an 8 out of 10. I feel like trash. I feel like complete shit at this point. And uh, the thing was, when we had walked into the hospital and she was walking us back, they said, be nice to her, please. She's had such a rough night. And I want to be like, well, we can add to it. But I wasn't. I was a, I was a gentleman. Uh, once she mistucked me and she apologized. And, of course, it was bleeding uh, pretty good. And she did the whole nurse thing. It was bruised for, like, the last two weeks. You can still kind of see it. It's two weeks later. It's still kind of bruised on the back of my hand. Looks like I punched something. But I I don't remember doing that if I did. And then she went up uh, all the way. Usually they'll go up into, like, the, the back of the... I guess the top of the forearm, right? Like a couple inches up from the wrist. I have some pretty good veins there, but she went uh, she went old school and went all the way up into the arm, right at the elbow. After she missed the first time, she was like, yeah, I'm not risking it. And uh, she stuck that one, so she hit the mark. And then from there, she was great. It was uh, probably the smoothest ER experience out of the my entire life. No complaints outside of the mystic, and even then, I think I even, like, after I kind of said, yeah, I felt like it, she apologized, and I was like, it's part of the game, don't worry, it happens. So I played it off, I wasn't a complete asshole, right? Like, she made a mistake, she felt bad. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. If you name that movie, shout out to you, that's Dodgeball, beat you to it. Um, yeah, what, what can I say? Just the fact that nurses are coming out left and right from school and just go hopping right into it. I don't know. Would you want a pilot just coming out of college? They go to about six months of training, and next thing you know, you're flying on their plane for American or Alaskan or drive well, Frontier and Spirit, right? When that merge happens. And, uh, yeah, you might be shaking in your boots a little bit. They're not going to tell you, hey, this guy has about uh, 50 hours of flying experience. He's going to be taking off and landing your plane today, but don't worry. He has a degree. Could you imagine? But uh, we'll see what happens. You know, obviously, COVID demanded a lot more nurses and just healthcare workers in general. We're well, going to pay the big bucks. Some of them were getting paid $100 an hour in major cities to travel there, and all they had to do was administer COVID tests. And I say all they had to do, they dressed up. Like they were going to go into a biochemical lab and then they stuck a cotton swab up people's noses and put it into a little baggie. Whatever they did. $100. That's more than what I get paid to fly airplanes. I'm not sticking shit up people's noses. They're getting paid twi more than twice as much. It's a little frustrating. And they got to and their hotels were paid for, right? Rental cars were probably paid for. 
and all they would have to do is fly up there. They probably got their flights paid for. They go to big cities like L.A., New York. Now, this is during the height of COVID, and for people, oh, they risk their life. How many of you would go risk your life in a full-on jumpsuit of biochemical gear? That's what it looked like, at least, right? Nothing's touching them. A germ is never going to get through that suit. Not a single little speck of a germ. $100 an hour. You want to know that math? Let's do it, folks. Let's say you work a 40-hour work week, and a lot of them were doing 12-hour days. I would happily work 12-hour days doing that job for $100 an hour. Just saying. But we'll say they worked 40-hour work weeks. Work weeks. 40 hours times $100. If you guys can't do that math in your head, shame on you. But I do have a calculator out, so it's four grand per week. They would do that for months at a time. Let's times that by two months, which is about what? Eight or nine weeks, right? Again, if you can't do that math in your head, I'll say eight weeks. 32 grand in eight weeks just to work 40 hours a week, sticking shit in people's noses. Yeah, sign me up. Just to put that in even more perspective, if you did that for an entire year, 52 weeks, right? $4,000 a week times 52, $208,000 to stick a cotton swab up somebody's nose. Let that one sink in. But you enjoy doing what you do behind a computer, wherever you're at listening to this, driving to work, whatever you're about to do. Just think how much money you could have made if you would have just gone to school for stuffing, shoving shit up people's noses. Bring COVID back. Nurses loved COVID. Maybe they didn't love it. But if they were a travel nurse making $100 an hour, yeah. I would love it. Why wouldn't I? That's so much money. Especially, I mean, think about that. If you're 22, 23... You just got out of college. You got all these student loans you got to pay off, right? Um, you got some type of nursing degree, medical degree, and then all of a sudden COVID hits and you're getting offered 100 bucks to fly to New York City, live in some hotel that they're going to pay for. Probably a lot of them, I didn't touch on this, a lot of them also got paid per diem. Probably we're talking 50 bucks a day. So all their meals were getting paid for, their hotels were getting paid for, and... On top of that, so they had no expenses. They're not paying for anything back home. You literally, you could leave your apartment, sell it, get out of it, not buy a house, whatever, wherever your situation is at home. Go there, live there for a year, six months, whatever the case may be. You get paid a hundred bucks an hour, and your loans are paid off instantly in six months to a year. But you know, just went into the wrong career field. I should, have been, I should have seen this coming. Look, we're already 30 minutes. I got so much shit to get through. Damn it. Oh, boy. All right. We're going to speed through it. Speed, speed, speed. Uh, check that box. Check. Ooh, do I want to talk about that? All right. I, I will talk about it. Our, my marriage anniversary is uh, It's in March sometime. When is it? Uh, just kidding. No, it's, it's the 2nd of March. 
Um, and we're celebrating what three years? What is it, Sophia? Yep, three. I could hear her yell at me. Just kidding. I'm not in the man cave. Three years, and she was not, not happy when I talked last week about how silly it is that we celebrate a marriage anniversary. And by by we, I mean humans in general. I I don't understand the purpose of it. Once you're married, you're in it for the long run. So why do we celebrate anniversaries? Celebrate 5, 10, like some of the big numbers? Sure. But every single year, like it's a birthday? Like it, again, at 16 years of marriage, I don't get to drive a car. At 21 years of marriage, I don't get to drink my life away. Um, I would start that way sooner. I wouldn't wait till 21 at that, or 21 years of marriage at that point. You know, there's just no benchmarks in marriage. It should be there. They should make marriage way more interesting, and it, you should have benchmarks for it. Um, at five years, let's see, what can we do? At five years, you earn yourself every year. She has no say. You get to go on a one-week vacation boys' trip. That'd be pretty good, right? Anywhere you want, one week. And at 10 years, she's got to pay for it. That's right. You get to choose where you go, when you go, with who you go for one week, and her bank account is going to cover it. Now, at 15 years, we up the stakes. At 15 years... You get twenty grand of her money to go buy the car that you've always wanted. May not cover it, but you get twenty grand minimum. Does she get anything from you? No, no, she doesn't. This is a one-way street here, um, and of course, my wife would drive down at the opposite direction. But we're going full on. <laughs> it's all hypothetical. So, women, if you're getting mad, shove it up your cooter, okay? It's all hypothetical here. So as men, there's not a whole lot of, for us to look forward to in a marriage after you're married. And if, if you're sitting there thinking that there is, that you just don't understand it then. Oh, God, I'm going to get shot here. I mean, seriously, think about it. What What is there outside of, like, I get to spend every single day with my best friend for the rest of my life, which is such a, sure, sure, it may be true, right? I said that in like such a de- depressing, t- <laughs> such a depressing tone. It may be true, but there's no, uh, there's no milestones, right? Like there's nothing to really look forward to at certain uh, benchmarks or checkpoints or what have you. And so I, I guess that's why I don't really celebrate. Same way I don't celebrate my birthday. Everyone's like, well, you turned 30. So what? What do I get at 30? Nothing. Except a bunch of you're fucking old now type jokes. I've heard them all before. You know why? Because I've told them to everybody else who turned 30 before me. Suck it. And now is my turn to embrace it. I don't get anything at 31, 32. So if I ever make it to, to 30 years of marriage, don't kill me, Sophia. It's an if. It means if I'm alive. If I don't get killed before then. I'm not celebrating 30 years. I'm not celebrating 31. I'm not celebrating because th- I don't get anything. She doesn't get anything. The only thing we get 
is the shit that we feel like we have to buy for each other. So, dit for tit. That's my, that was my thoughts. I'm going to be in the doghouse, but we are going to go to dinner this week. Um, probably go to a, a nice steakhouse in, in Abilene here, I think on Wednesday night. She was like, oh, we are going to go to dinner. And I was like, you literally yelled at me for saying that we weren't going to do anything for anniversary. She's like, we have to celebrate it. It's our anniversary. We have to. And then tonight when I said, okay, let's just do winter. Let's do winter. Um, let's do dinner on Wednesday. Let's do winter on, on Dunsday. She said, oh, we're going to do dinner? Really? And I was like, you literally just yelled at me a few days ago for saying that we weren't going to do anything. You told me we have to. And now I'm telling you that we're going to. And you're now turning around and questioning me. Oh, we are? I was like, what? I'm not full in on this. I'm not 100%. So if you don't want to, then that's fine by me. She's like, no, 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 we can go. We can go to dinner. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking right. I knew where your head was at. You just wanted me to make the plans again. Not a two-way street. The guys always got to do it. Always. Because you got you to gotta have chivalry, even though we're moving towards this thing called equality. Somehow, in marriages, you still got to be a gentleman. What is it to be womanly? What What is... Uh, God, man, I'll be opening up a can of worms. I won't do that. I won't do that. We'll, we'll hop into that another time. I want to ruffle everyone's feathers. People get so pissed. So anyway. Hey, babe. Babe. Dinner on Wednesday. Mark your calendar. Just be a no-show. And then the funny thing is I fly out Thursday morning. What if I just no-showed her <laughs> to dinner? <laughs> and then said, see ya, I'm out. Because I do have a flight to catch on Thursday. I'm not flying for the Air Force. I'm actually going to go see uh, one of my best buds. He would say, really? One of? And I'd be like, yeah, one of my best buds. I have multiple best buds because I don't, uh, you know, I don't segregate my best friends. I just lump them all together as besties. And there's no limit to how many I can have. It's my world. Can't hate on it. Um, What do I want to talk about? The slam dunk contest. We're a little bit behind here. Um, we're, we're playing catch up. It's not necessarily a recent event. It happened last weekend, but holy shit, man, the slam dunk contest compared to last year was such a letdown and I'm not a, a big NBA dude just in general. I think their defense that they play is trash. Um, they, they just coast through the, through the regular season. These guys are supposed to be extremely competitive and some players really do play and then other teams are just. I don't know. They're just lazy. And you get paid millions of dollars not to entertain. I want to watch actual basketball. I want to watch the top-level guys be competitive as shit and go after it. And for whatever reason, you just don't get that. Because if they were competitive, you'd see way harder fouls. You'd see people getting in each other's face. Not this fake fighting you know, BS that you see. I'm talking like when Shaquille O'Neal dunked on, uh, who was it? Was it Bradley? Who's that tall, dorky-ass-looking white guy? Is it Bradley Dudley? If you're if you're a true NBA fan and you're listening right now, you know who I'm talking about. And he basically, when he two hands slammed it on him, he did a drop step, went up, two hands, just monstrous dunk, and basically used the rim to to air hump him, knocked him to the ground, um, and then he got up. The guy who got dunked on Bradley or Dudley, it had to be one of those. Grabbed the ball and chucked it at Shaq basically when he was at half court. That's the shit I want to see. Bring that back. 
when the NBA makes that type of return, I'll start tuning in. But I do every now and then tune into the All-Star game um, at the very end. I watch the dunk contest. Um, and then the three-point contest, eh. I don't – this is what blows my mind. Why can the NBA not entice LeBron James? His entire career now, he's played, what, 18 years? Pay him enough money that makes him want to do the dunk contest. At this point, do I really care to see him? No, there's there's probably way more, way better athletes out there when it comes to the dunk contest. But the first 10 years of his career, how did they not put him in the dunk contest? Back in the day, it used to be Dominic Wilk- uh, Dominique Wilkins, right? You get Spud Webb, Michael Jordan, um, Vince Carter was in it, right? You get some of the most athletic, ferocious dunkers and athletes and best players and now there's these fucking no-namers. And what I mean by that is dudes literally who come off the bench are now, we're supposed to get excited as fans to watch these guys dunk. I just, uh, I couldn't do it. I really couldn't do it. I would have rather seen like John Morant in the dunk contest. Guys who uh, just can get up and it was just, it was terrible. The best, one of the best dunks of the weekend was Miles Garrett. So when a football player is crossing over sports and playing in your celebrity game and has a better uh, throwdown in a celebrity basketball game than your best NBA dunkers in the contest, I mean, there were statistics on it. I'm sure I took a picture of it. I screenshotted it. Give me a second. I'll see if I can find it. What did they go from the field? Can I find it? Can I find it? I'm not going to find it. It was, I mean, put it this way. They, their dunks were about 30% from the field. That's how bad it was. When you're making every third dunk, it's just not entertaining at that point. Oh, here it is. Yeah, the dunkers went 7 for 25, 28% in the first round. Jalen Green, again, he's a rookie, so he hasn't even had enough time to prove himself as a dunker. Clearly, because he went one for nine on his first dunk. And the thing was, they weren't counting. They weren't counting uh, attempts unless you had a downward motion. But in my opinion, the moment that you leave your feet and you go up to dunk the ball, that's a fucking attempt. You are attempting to dunk, whether you catch the ball correctly or you time it right. Like that's all the process of the dunk. So to watch these guys go up and miss and miss and miss and not actually have it count against them, therefore we have to watch more misses, was really frustrating. And uh, I'll be honest, at at one point I just turned it off. (laughs) Even J.J. Reddick said, I feel for everyone involved. My other point is this. How is Steph Curry not in the three-point contest every year? I'm sick of watching SportsCenter and ESPN and all these other sports media outlets post his pregame workout of him just draining threes with nobody guarding him left and right. I mean, obviously, he made it rain. He was on fire in the All-Star game. Why is he not in the three-point contest? It should be him. Bring back Kyle Korver. Bring back J.J. Redick. Uh, Trey Young should be in it. Buddy Heald is a good three-point shooter. Donovan Mitchell is, like, number three this year in the NBA for three-pointers. I don't know who the number two guy is. Bring back uh, Peja Stoyakovic. That dude was like seven foot and could shoot threes like nobody's business. Those are the guys I want to see in a three-point contest. The best 
the best fucking shooters. That's the whole point of the contest. It's just, I, I don't get it. P- pay them. Pay them enough to make them want to do it or write it into their contract. If you're that good at doing this thing, then I expect to be there on All-Star Weekend. I don't know. They all just want to sit in the stands and goof off. If you were actually competitive, you'd want to be out there. Defend your title. Just saying. That's this uh, the sissy generation we got growing up. All right, well, we hit on that. The next one goes uh, It goes a little rogue. Do I want to talk about it this week? Do we want to wa- do we want to talk about the transgender swimmer at Penn, who won the Ivy Championship? We do, and we'll make it brief. And I will say this: I believe that if I had a vagina, I'd be one of the ba- best basketball players of all time. Just gonna throw that out there. And I have even thought about making the switch. Some people would be like, that's very insensitive. But if I ended up getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for being a very, very good athlete, switching genders, and could better provide for my family, because, look, I'm an average Joe as a male. I'm an average Joe to the T. I can't jump. I can't run fast. I'm not agile. I got injuries. Fucking ankles are getting sore. Just sitting here. Hammies are tightening up. But I make a gender switch, I could be top tier. I got some muscles on me. Not not big ones, but enough to, you know, to throw some bows and scare the competition off. So when it comes to swimming, yeah, swimming would not be my forte. Men or women. I, I couldn't do it. But I, I do think maybe, maybe this will happen in the future. I don't want to be an asshole on this podcast. That's My goal is not to uh, just make it fun, lighthearted, right? Maybe, though, in the future, there will be enough transgenders. For some, that's a very scary thought. That they would have their own league. Think about that. Then once all the transgender males... Once, I mean, I guess I say once there's enough, and I'll get to that. It is trending in that direction. And then there's, you know, if there's enough transgender females, they have their own league and compete against each other. Because I think there is some type of, uh, ooh, man, really dance around these words. It's difficult for women to compete with a guy, even if he goes through all the testosterone changes to, to estrogen. At the end of the day, even if I went through that, like I'm still, a f- I feel like I still have an edge, right? Just like biologically, I have an edge. And if you don't agree, think of this. Let Mike, if you think it's fine that a, a male makes the switch to being a female, goes to Penn, an average male swimmer, and now wins the championship as a female, okay? A lot of I guess her teammates aren't even on board with this and don't support it because they've been swimming their entire careers and now they're being, I want to say that opportunity is being taken from them, but uh, it's a little bit harder for them. Let's put it it in perspective this way. If Michael Phelps went to the Olympics 
back in uh, one of these years. 2012? Is that right? Whenever the Summer Olympics were for swimming. And he wins all those gold, me- gold medals as a male. And then over the course of the next four years, he transitions to being a female and then goes to the Olympics as a female and dominates. Would would you be on board with that? Now, you can't just do it for f- shits and giggles, right? Like, I know I'm, I'm poking fun a little bit. You can't just do it for shits and giggles and make the switch because, like, it, people who actually go through that s- transition truly believe that that's the direction that their life is supposed to go. Right? So... It's a hypothetical. Roll with it. Would you be on board with that? And if you're not, then you can't call me an asshole for the swimmer at Penn going from man to woman, dominating the competition. And we talk about it. It's going to happen. I think it is happening in the UFC. How are they going to do that? When you have a male transitioning to a female, and now they're competing on the female level in the UFC, I mean, just throwing hands, haymakers. I wonder how many women I could beat up if I switched. <laughs> you know how many, <laughs> I was about to make a really, really poor decision, what I was about to say. But what I was going to poke fun at was men can't hit women, right? Women can try to get a little dicey and smack us around. Sure, right? We'll roll with the punches, quote-unquote. If it was socially acceptable to hit, you know, for women to hit women, though, you know how many men might consider making that transition just to get that one swing in that they couldn't when they had a dick? They might make that switch. Be like, well, been (laughs) been waiting my whole life, just holding back. Now I can just finally let loose. All that anger at work, I can come home and finally just take it out on somebody. Is that is that too dark? Maybe I don't know. It's just jokes, people. Relax. They're just jokes. I take sensitive topics and I break them down. I make you think, you know, and I throw some fun in there. I don't know what's right, what's wrong. Just thinking out loud, just processing this information. But my two cents on the pen thing. I wish that the NCAA would step in, and uh, I want to say you can't compete. You can, I would say you can still compete, because I don't think that should be taken away from somebody the opportunity to, to compete um, in a, an athletic sport that they love. But to just like plow through the competition, once that's happening, it's pretty clear if you were average as a male and really not that great, and then you go switch to the to the women's side. Even if you've gone through the full transition, you still clearly at that point have such an ad- advantage that something has to be done to give everybody else an equal shot. Let the women take testosterone at that point. <laughs> really make it a fair fight. I don't know. If you're not uh, if you're not read in on that situation, you can Google it. It's out there. An even better topic that I want to talk about, though. Um, and if that was a sensitive topic for you, Here's a perfect plug. Fucking write me at me at my Gmail. What the hill podcast at gmail.com. Bring it on. Let's talk about it. Lob me a softball here and watch me knock it out of the park. Ask me a question. You can uh, hit me up on Instagram. 
right? Yell at me. I don't care. Bring it. Bring some fucking heat. We're in the kitchen. We're baking cookies. An even better topic, though. Greg Gard, uh, Jawan Howard. Wisconsin and Michigan in that fight. Which, uh, do you even want to call it a fight? No. It was a little scuffle. That's what that's my definition of what happened. If you didn't see it, Michigan and Wisconsin got into it after their game. Um, I never really watched the highlights, but Wisconsin was up. The game was in hand. Michigan was still pressing. In my opinion, if you're going to press, right, if you're going to coach till the end, and you're, if your team's down double-digit points, there's less than a minute left, sorry, brother, you lost, right? You lost the game at that point. Wisconsin's a good team. You weren't expecting to win that game, right? You fought a good fight. Have some sportsmanship, in my opinion. You call your press off, put your subs in. Or if you want to play your starters, just you know play a half-court game. They chose not to do that. Wisconsin had put their bench team in. Hashtag bench mob. They're being pressed. He calls a timeout. Greg Gard does. Jawan Howard doesn't like that. Thinks it's just not sportsmanship uh, to make that, that timeout with that much time in the game. The reason Greg Gard said he did that was that uh, there's only four seconds left on the uh, the time to get it across half court, right? You get 10 seconds. So by taking a timeout, he reset and got the full 10 seconds for his players, talked about how to break the press. You know, at that, at that point, the game's won. So you can go both ways on that. Should he have done it? No. As a bench player myself, right, someone who never um, in high school really saw the court, What's it, freshman, sophomore, or sophomore year? Yeah, I was a bench player, right? You can giggle. You can laugh at me. That's fine. I can take it. Fuck you. Hurt my feelings. It was always, um, one, it was always nice to get in the game. Let's, let's just throw that in there. It was always nice to get in the game. Usually got in when the game was in hand. And it personally frustrated me to watch the coach, like, at that point, he, d- he didn't coach, right? He was just like, oh, the scrubs are in, so just let them let them do their thing. Like, no, this is m- I bust my butt in practice. This is my time to get in the game and actually get some reps, right? These minutes matter to me. Coach, the game's not over. Fucking coach. So in, in that aspect, I don't mind Greg Gard's timeout to reset his players, give them the full 10 seconds, break the press, right? Like, at some point, those guys are going to be the starters on the court because uh, I'm going to guess a few of them were pretty young. Maybe you had a, a, a one or two seniors in there who were walk-ons, right? But some of those players are young freshmen that haven't seen a whole lot of playing time. They will get their time the next few years, and so those are valuable minutes every time they're on the court in a Big Ten game, um, and, and they're seeing pressure for the first time in the Big Ten. So personally, I don't have an issue with it. If you don't want the other team to call a timeout, don't fucking press. Now, if he would have gotten the ball across half court and called a timeout so his team could run a set play, that's definitely pushing it, right? But anyway, they get to the handshake line. Jawan Howard basically just tries to bypass Greg Gard. And you can tell Gard didn't like that. He put his hand on his elbow, basically like a, like a wrestler, right? Like kind of C-cuffed him right across the elbow. And essentially tried to kind of halt him to explain why he called the timeout and diffused the situation, the anger. That only upset Jawan Howard. 
he eventually uh, he actually grabbed guard by his uh, by his shirt under his I think he was wearing a suit. He grabbed him by the shirt, kind of balled up his hand, um, pulled down his mask with the other hand, started pointing in his face and yelling, and it it just escalated from there. Eventually, they got separated. Players all came in, and uh, Howard, for whatever reason, threw a uh, <laughs> wasn't even a punch. For like, I don't know how tall is he? Like six eight, six nine. For six eight, six nine, dude. Like, if you're gonna swing at somebody, ball your fist and fucking swing. You know what I mean? Get your cuts. Get your hacks in. But he threw like this pansy-ass slap. And, uh, I mean, shit, if you're going to get suspended, earn it. And then, of course, from there, a couple other players threw punches. <coughs> Excuse me. And it just uh, it just escalated. And it didn't need to. So the whole point of why I bring this up is let's 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 dissect it a little bit. Because now what they're saying is, Great guard never should have touched him in the first place. Dude, if you're trying to blow past somebody and and nonchalant just like walk past them and ghost them and they call you out on it, they're going to try to get your attention. They're not just going to keep on backing up and stepping in front of you. That's natural for people to put their – he didn't put his hand on his chest. He wasn't aggressive about it. He put his hand on his elbow, and Jawan Howard said he felt threatened. I've never had anybody tell, touch me on the elbow, and then I felt threatened. That's normal, right? Think about this. You're at the bar. Somebody's trying to uh, cut you in line, belly up to the bar right next to you. If you kind of turn around and tell them, hey, give me my space or back up or I was here first, where are you going to touch them? If you touch them in the chest, those are uh, those are fighting touches right there. If you put your hand on their – where are you going to – you're not going to grab their hand, right? Play a little handsy. Tickle, tickle. You're going to probably grab them right around like their bicep or elbow area. And it's like the friendliest way of saying, hey, like, please don't do that. You know, cut your shit. So in my opinion, you see politicians do it all the time. It's kind of a – really, you see coaches do it all the time. How many times have, uh, have you ever seen like a basketball game, a football game, and the player fucks up, they're going to the bench, and what's the coach do? If the coach doesn't get in front of them to talk to them face-to-face, a lot of them will grab them by their elbow, and that's kind of a power move to say, like, hey, we're going to have a chat real quick. That's a common coach. Yeah, it's just a common coach technique. I mean, I've had it happen to me, right? And uh, Juwan Howard, he felt threatened by it. Big baby. And uh, for whatever reason, felt the need to throw punches. Both... Both coaches in their post-game interviews never really apologized to the other or the opposition or about their behavior. So that was, that was pretty uh, sad to see. What came of it, though, was Howard got suspended for five games. Guard didn't get suspended but got a $10,000 fine. And then all the players that threw punches, three of them got one one game, which I thought was crazy. I thought the players should have gotten like two or three games for throwing punches. And then I thought the five games, personally, I thought it was weak. Five games is the remainder of the regular season for Michigan. So that means he's still going to be able to coach in the Big Ten Championship, and he's still going to be able to coach in the NCAA Championship. So what kind of message does that send to everybody else? Five games is like a slap on the wrist, let's be honest. I mean, if there was no NCAA tournament, no Big Ten tournament, sure. Then They said he can't coach for the rest of the regular season, which sounds great on paper. 
But really that what that means is, hey, Michigan, when it comes time for you guys to actually try to make a run and do something with your program, because they will more than likely make the, the NCAA tournament, they're supposed to at least, he's going to be back. Everyone's going to forget about it. I wish, here's what should have happened, as much as you may not have liked somebody grabbing you by the elbow or the timeout call or whatever else that transpired, you're a leader for your university, for your basketball program, for the other coaches, right, parents, the fans, most importantly, the student athletes that you coach. And so because you got a little frustrated and you couldn't control your emotions, you ended up swinging and trying to punch another coach in the face. And it wasn't even the coach that you initially felt threatened by. So to lose your emotions to that degree on the basketball court, right, to me is inexcusable. And it deserves a much more severe punishment. I would have said if I was the University of Michigan, because this is not the first time that he's had one of these, uh, we'll call it emotion-related incidents. He loses, he definitely has a temper, and he loses it. And at that point, you got to – I mean, it, this isn't the 70s and 80s where you got Bobby Knight throwing chairs across, right? Like, that would be insane to, in today's age of sports. And uh, also, Bobby Knight won a bunch of fucking games, so he could do that shit. Juwan Howard hasn't done a whole lot. They're like a 500 – they're not a 500 ball club. In the Big Ten, they are. Point being, Michigan should have said he's done for the rest of the year, and we're going to reevaluate in in the summer. Or, you know, spring, whenever the season's done, at the end of March, basically, April time frame, we're going to reevaluate whether we're going to keep him on and probably send him to some remedial, like, um, I don't know, anger management classes, leadership classes, something that says, hey, if we're going to keep you, we're going to put you through this training so this doesn't happen again. So you can actually help defuse that type of situation. Instead, it's, hey, five games, you can still practice you, basically, I mean, he's going to be at every single practice still coaching, right? He's going to go on the road with them. He's just going to be in the locker room. So he's drafting up all the game plans. At that point, he's just not doing the substitutions, right? He's not calling the timeouts. His assistants are doing that. But they've seen it so many times. They know what he wants. So he's still coaching, basically, from the bench, right? Or he's coaching from the locker room. He should be removed from the entire program for the rest of the year. That's, that's my two cents. The bigger issue that I have with with this entire incident is two things. Everybody said, oh, I think this is the right call, right? So nobody can actually just speak their mind on the topic. So if you're going to go on TV and have an opinion, find where your balls are at and actually come up with a real opinion on the situation instead of just backing the Big Ten because you don't want to be fired. That's all I'm saying. Number two. The handshake line. People are now saying, oh, nothing good comes from the handshake line. It just initiates all these types of uh, aggressive interactions, and it just leads to a bunch of emotions. That is the most false fucking statement, and it just blows my mind that these are experts on the TV and who are analyzing this. You know how many times you've heard of a fight in a, in a handshake line? In the last year? Once. Michigan and Wisconsin. The other 1,000 plus handshake lines that have gone on in men and women's college basketball this year 
They didn't do it last year because of COVID, right? They would just, bye. Bye, see you later. They would wave to each other. It was the fucking corniest thing ever. There has not been another altercation in men or women's college basketball all year except for Michigan, Wisconsin. And then now, now they want to say, oh, well, I just don't understand the handshake line. I just, I disagree with it. We probably shouldn't do it. Just leads to too much emotion. And you just got done playing this team and you're very aggressive the entire time. And there's a lot of tempers flaring and it's just going to lead to, to more fights. No, it's not. You know what the handshake line is? It's acknowledging that what you just did was a fucking game. It was a sport. It was competition. And now you're coming back to real life. And that's a human being across from you. You're going to walk across. You're look them in the eye. You're shake their hand and have respect for them. You may not like them. You may not like how they beat your ass on the court or maybe you beat their ass. But at the end of the day, it's about having respect for your fellow humans, right? You had the opportunity to go out and play a fucking game. That's what that is at its base level. And for some, right, NBA level, these guys get paid millions, right? Football, you get paid millions. What if, what if after the NFL football games, they just didn't go out and shake hands? Swap jerseys. They just wave to each other. Said, "Hey, we don't want to have fights. See ya." I mean, that's like the that's the pansiest mindset, and the fact that it's coming from people that are forty and up on TV is what's blowing my mind. Is like they're giving all these millennials such a pass. Man up. You know how many times I played sports and got into it with somebody, whether it's on a soccer field, um, a maybe a baseball diamond. Right? There's a collision at at home plate or you get hit by a pitch and but you knew it was on purpose or in basketball right you start roughing it up with with somebody it gets pretty physical maybe you catch an elbow was it an accident was it on purpose that's part of the game that is 100 percent part of the game you're supposed to be in a competition with that person it's going to get a little violent it's going to be aggressive it's going to get physical and then once the game's over you shake their hand, right, and you say, good game. Or, fuck you. I don't, whatever you say at that point. But there's been dudes, and I know if you've ever played high school sports, you probably, you've probably gone through this, where, I don't know, we'll, we'll bring it back to Pleasant Valley, Bent North. Pleasant Valley fucking hates Bent North, right? And Bent North, at least in my time, now they kick Bent North's ass. And Bent North, did not like Pleasant Valley. Always had great rivalry games against each other. Bunch of dudes actually grew up playing uh, baseball with. They went to Pleasant Valley, and we play them in basketball, right? Play them in football. So be it. And there was dudes that we just didn't like that went to Pleasant Valley. Or, hey, even, an even better one, Burlington. And that my some of my high school friends know exactly what I'm talking about. We played dudes from Burlington that we fucking made fun of all the time. I mean, we hated their guts. When we played Burlington, it got fiery. Uh, trash talk was going back left and right. And guess what happened when we went to college? Right At the end of the day, we'd shake these guys' hands. We still probably didn't like them, but we showed them respect. When we went to college, we actually met some of these dudes, obviously from you know Pleasant Valley, Burlington, Assumption, all the local schools in the area, right? Because when I went to Iowa for two years, we see a lot of those guys up there go to the same college. Great dudes. Great dudes. They're good people. They got along with them great. Would see them at parties, social events, right? And uh, some of those dudes people got really close with. Good friends to this day. 
hey, remember that dude that we fucking hated growing up playing baseball? We all thought he was a little bitch. He's still a little bitch, but he's actually a cool guy. It's just like people are different when they're on the court or when they're, when they're playing sports or a diamond, right? Wherever it is. I, I will always, always advocate for sportsmanship and shaking stuff. The toughest thing to do after you just like you're exhausted, you just worked your ass off, you've been sweating and just you just mentally drained, right? And you are looking at your opponent. Maybe you just got your, your dick kicked in. The last thing you want to do is go shake that person's hand. It's called being a man. And I mean that even for women, right? Like, it's called being the bigger person. Could you imagine if, you, I don't like them, I'm just going to turn and walk away. Like, what does that teach our youth? Seriously, what does that teach? Little kids should be able to play an AAU basketball game and learn to walk and, and shake someone's hand and look them in the eye and say, good game. Like, because that's all it is. It's a fucking game. And over one little scuffle between grown-ass men, they're now considering taking away the handshake line. What a joke. I, I don't know. It's just like... it Honestly, it baffles me that that's even a, a consideration. A legit consideration. I think there's nothing better in sportsmanship than, uh, or sorry, there's not nothing better in sports than, than just that sportsmanship, right? What you never see anymore, here's something my dad taught me, right? We're getting a little serious here on the podcast. Every now and then we do this. When you knock somebody down on their ass, help them back up. I love when I see that from football players, like linebackers, for example. I'm going to knock you on your fucking ass, right, if it's a running back. I'm going to put you on your back, and then I'm going to help you up so I can go do it again. One, it's a little bit psychological, right? Two, like it's just, that's just sportsmanship. Help that person up. But now you see it more than ever. People just like, they just turn and walk away. I see it in basketball too. I would, I don't know, I would do it. I used to help people up. There's a time and a place, right? If you're in, it gets into a little bit of a scuffle, you don't have to do it. But yeah, I just think uh, you're teaching the, this generation. They're already soft. They're so soft. Everybody's in their feelings all the time. It's so it's so tough to watch. And uh, you know, you don't. I don't have to like you, but I will respect you. That type of concept. I don't have to like you on the court, but when we step off off the court. I will show you respect until until otherwise, right? They're a dick off the court at that point, then then sure. Once you're off the court, you know, you don't have to like the person. But anyway, if they take away the handshake line, holy shit. It's like when they talked about taking away the national anthem before sporting events. Well, why do we even play the national anthem? You know why? You know what it, the national anthem also does? It tells you that we're playing a fucking game, and you get to play this game because you're in the best fucking country in the entire world. And it's a privilege. It is a privilege to step on this field, this court, this diamond, the swimming pool, right, to jump in and pencil dive. Whatever you're doing, it is a privilege because of freedom, because of the the safety and security that we have of living in the United States. We play that song and wave that flag as a reminder. And if you think of anything other than that, 
then something's wrong with you. Because that's what I think of. So if you don't think what I think, then you're a lunatic. That it's it's that it is just it's that reminder. That hey, before we play this entertaining game, where you get paid millions to fucking run around and catch footballs or throw basketballs and shoot things into a hoop. <coughs> as good as you are at your craft, it is just that. It is a game. No lives are on on the line. Right? No lives are at stake. If you miss that three-pointer, you're gonna you're probably gonna wake up tomorrow. You're not gonna lose your job. Or if you lose your job, you probably just made way more than anybody else who was grinding in this country to keep up with inflation, the housing market, right? Trying to get some job security, some health care. So for those same people that can't go shake a fucking hand across from them and control their emotions or to stand there or kneel, whatever, and just listen to the national anthem. Why do we even play the national anthem? Really, that's the same reason we have flyovers, to remind you that we're always watching. (laughs) I I don't know. That's how I look at those things. They're symbols of these are reminders of where you live and the opportunities that you have at your leisure. It is at your leisure to do what you love. So don't take it for granted. Man up. Do the things that are tough like shaking someone's hand and saying good game. Because uh, Lord knows that's that's got to be the one, one of the toughest things you can do. Oh, man. So much I still wanted to get to. Jeez. So much. Well, oh man, I got to pick one topic. So what I do throughout the week is whenever something like pops into my head, I just put it into my notes section. And uh, and then I just reference that. And now I have, uh, because I missed a week, now I just have a plethora. That's a great word. A plethora of uh, topics to talk about. If I go into my Austin weekend, there's so much to talk about. And we're already at a minute and 14 seconds. It's a... Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Keeping everybody waiting. You know what I'll talk about? Because everything else I can still, I can come back and lump it, lump it in. I can lump it in this next Sunday. I think I can do it. So here's what we're going to talk about. We have a four-star general. I try not to talk about work. And what I say about my work is not a reflection of the Air Force. I have to keep on saying that. It's a reflection of me and my pea-sized brain. We have a uh, general. We have a general. I won't say who. It is a four-star that may or may not, because of OPSEC, be coming to Dias Air Force Base or somewhere in the local area later this week. I won't say what day. OPSEC. Operational security. That's what that means. It's so funny when, when spouses and... Just people affiliated with the military throw that at you. Hey, OPSEC, practice OPSEC. Really? And you're telling me about OPSEC on social media that anybody can see? Fucking genius. OPSEC. You know what? I once had, I posted in a, uh, in one of our, I guess it was like a spouse's page basically, for the squadron of when a bunch of deployers were coming home. Right? They were already in the United States, okay? They were returning to Tejas. I don't know 
how many people know terrorists in Texas, but I don't know any, not personally at least. And so I let people know generally what time they would be returning. Now, we fly every single day in and around Texas, specifically in Abilene. And nobody has ever once set up outside the base, to my knowledge, and fired anything at our, at our aircraft. So they weren't landing in a foreign land or returning. Or they, they were returning from overseas. But at this point, they were like they were legit in the United States. I was just passing along generally what time and day they should be landing so that spouses and children could come greet their mothers and fucking fathers at the plane and celebrate them being home after four months. I don't know how else I'm supposed to pass that information. I don't have everybody's message or uh, their numbers to shoot every spouse a text message. So I posted it on a private group in Facebook. And uh, I didn't I didn't put all the specifics of where they're at and they're leaving at this time. They're only at this date. Generally around this time, we should expect the, the aircraft to come come back. There's going to be food, drink, celebrate. Right. And I legit had somebody reach out and say, hey, I'm I'm going to need you to take that down, Captain Hill, because OPSEC. I was like, you're not even in the fucking military, and you're you have the the cojones on you to reach out to somebody and tell them what OPSEC is, whether I was right or wrong, or she was right or wrong, just the just the ball sack on that broad to reach out. She didn't know me either. She had no idea who I was. What like what did you want me to do? You want me to send an email that you're not going to get because I don't have your email address. I can send an email to all my military friends, and guess what? You know what every time they do? The husbands and spouses who are downrange and they're coming home, they shoot text messages to their spouses of when they're going to land. You know what also can be picked up in, quote, OPSEC? Text messages. Somebody could hack your phone very easily or hack a, a cell, cell carrier. Who overseas gives a fuck about C-130s landing in Texas? So the fact that this lady gave me a hard time about OPSEC. Anyway, that wasn't the point. A general is coming in this week. And uh, what bothers me the most about these general visits is everyone acts like we have to be on our best behavior. You know what I want the general to see? I want him to see us, the team Dias, in our fucking uh, normal work grind. Our fucking normal? Yeah, just show up, be a fly on the wall, and watch us work. That's what it should be. Because he's the top dog making some of the decisions that are going to affect us. So when we put on this pretty face, right, and we do our makeup for him and we look all nice, right, we put on our high heels, put on our uh, our best self, we have to, that's the thing, please clean your workstations. <clears throat> no, I'm not cleaning my workstation. You know why? If my workstation's a mess, it's because I'm drowning in work, I'm overworked, and I'm stressed the fuck out, and I'm playing catch-up. I'm, tr- I'm trying to keep up with the amount of work on my plate. And so if I just grab all the paperwork and I stuff it into a drawer, that's me just taking all my problems and everything on my to-do list and, sh- and just shoving it into a drawer. I want him to see that. If it looks pretty and pristine, that's not the real... That's not the real shit that you're leading. 
I want you to see what you're actually leading from from the top because you don't get to see it up in uh, up. I mean, he's he's a commander, right? He's a big dog. He doesn't see what us little scoundrels are doing, but that's that's his chance. So that's why he's showing up. So come see what what we're doing. Of course, we're gonna show him all the cool shit that we do, um, all the pet prod projects that probably aren't accomplished that we put on the back burner. We put all this. It's just so fake. Oh God! If I was ever a general. I would say quit showing me the fake shit. Show me the real deal. Show me the real deal. I don't want to show fur. I'm going to show up. I'm going to find my way around the base like anybody else, like any brand new airman who shows up here. I'm going to see how nice people are. I want to see. I, show them. Uh, we should show them our, our, well, our golf course is decent. Show them the batting cages that are broken. Why don't we show them our baseball and softball diamond? Are two softball diamonds that look like pieces of, of just complete trash. They're never upkept. Let's show them our bowling alley from the 1970s. What else uh, do we have on this base? They supposedly just did the golf course. Like the greens. They're pretty rugged. It's Texas. You can't do much about that. Let's show them our gym that constantly has uh, equipment misplaced. And our gym just looks old. It's run down compared to other gyms I've been to. Should I keep going? I mean, isn't it ridiculous? Why do we do that? Like that's that is our our opportunity to say, hey, boss, man, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to come down and see what we're doing here. Let's some show them some of the good. We'll show them some of the bad and we'll show them some of the ugly, because if you show them all good. You know what he's going to help with? Nothing. Because there's nothing for him to help with. Because we're only showing him, here's the good shit that we've taken care of. You know what all this other shit over here, the bad and the ugly, that we actually need your help with? Yeah, that's what I want him to see. And here's a great example of it. We had a four-star come down a couple years ago. The bathrooms in our combined building were just that. They were dog shit. They were terrible. The toilets constantly leaked. It smelled putrid in there. They had an industrial fan blowing around. Um, it wasn't being serviced by a, a cleaning crew enough. Constantly running out of toilet paper. So people are literally pulling up their pants and going to different stalls to take care of their business. In the middle of their business. There's not paper towels so people would wash their hands and have to like literally wipe their hands on their uh, on their flight suit or their their OCPs to get their hands clean or dry. I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. Urinals were overflowing. Literally, you would flush the toilet full of shit, and it was overflowing. That's how disgusting it was. And this isn't an Air Force bathroom. And time and time again, we couldn't we couldn't get anything done about it. Could not get anything done about it. And finally, I'll give a shout out to uh, Ryan Dukes. The uh, Oh, the ball's on that man. The four-star general came in. Female, too. Female general. But for OPSEC, I won't say her name. And in the middle of a feedback session with her, there was a bunch of people in the room. He said, ma'am, this is a serious question. After this, can I please take you to the men's restroom? And the words he said after really, really mattered. He said, and show you just how disgusting it is in there 
We have been trying to get this thing fixed for years, and we could sincerely use your help. She went in, and she immediately turned around and came out, looked at her assistant, who was a major or lieutenant colonel, and said, write that down. Write that down and put it at the top of the list. When she left Dias Air Force Base, after seeing her C-130 side, so not the B-1s, so if you're a B-1, dude, it's, don't, it's not about you, okay? And her top three things, I don't remember what the other two were, but her number one was getting us a new bathroom. And within six months, we had a contract for people to come in and put in a brand new bathroom. That meant ripping up the floors, the tile, the toilets, and re just completely re modeling and redoing our bathroom the plumbing everything and now that contract before it finally went into effect took like a year to year and a half but it was completed probably six months to a year ago maybe about two years after we we bitched about it but guess what it got done it did get done and so what drives me insane is when we have an opportunity to ask the big dogs the guys who get paid the big bucks to help us, the minions, who are doing, turning the wrenches, right, and doing the the daily fucking grind to make the mission happen. Why do we put on this fake front? Like, I have a, uh, right next to my desk, I have a, a tracker, and it is called my bullshit tracker. And I'm debating whether I want to take that down. I might just change the name. I might I might just shorten it to BS Tracker because if I if it says bullshit, I know we're in the military and I curse all the time, but it looks quote unprofessional. Even in the military you can't yeah, you have to be professional. You can't curse. Apparently if you curse then that's unprofessional. But back in the day, how many great leaders curse left and right? Anyway, um that's like the only thing I'm thinking about changing. Otherwise, I'm not cleaning up my desk. I'm not sharpening my number two Ticonderoga pencil. Um, not dusting off any of the shelves. I'm not putting any of the wards front and center for them. You want to swing through our office, boss? Great. I'll stand up at attention, and uh, I'll talk to you about what it is I do on a daily basis. I'm not putting on that fake front, though. I refuse to do it, and I encourage everybody else out there to have some authenticity with their leadership. Whatever job it is that you are in, it doesn't have to be the military, whatever it is that you do, when you have an avenue to provide feedback on what it is you need to do your job and play your role more effectively and more efficiently, don't burn that fucking avenue by lying. Sometimes, guess what? The truth hurts. But if you can present it in a, an effective fashion... You might see some results and, oh, and you might even highlight yourself as a leader in your own right. Everybody after I me, mean, literally, he stood up and said, can I please take you to the men's restroom to show you how disgusting it is? And everybody said thank you to him afterwards. Nobody else wanted to do it, myself included. Granted, I was a young cat at that time. And I knew, just keep just keep your mouth shut. Don't say it. But I've been around the block long enough to know now. If I don't ask for a new bathroom, I'm not going to get a new bathroom. 
right? So if there's stuff that you need, voice it. You may or may not get it, but if you don't voice it, guess what you're not going to get? Just it. You're not going to get it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm preaching out here, people. So when this four-star comes in, I'm going to keep up my BS tracker. And I'm going to... I'm going to flood it that week full of all the BS I've dealt with. And when he asks, hey, Captain, I see you got a tracker over there. Hopefully it catches his attention. Can you, uh, you might explain to me what that BS tracker is. And I'll say, yes, sir. The B and the S stands for bullshit. And this here is a tracker, and that's how I track all the bullshit that I deal with on a daily basis. Would you like to hear about the bullshit that I deal with? And when he says yes, I will then have a long list of things that will help improve the Air Force, the mission, and people's lives on a daily basis to reduce the bullshit. And when you reduce the bullshit, people are happier and improves their quality of life. There's a key phrase. Key phrase in the Air Force. We want to improve everybody's quality of life. You know how you, they quit asking me to do all these computer-based trainings. I'm literally clicking through PowerPoint slides because nobody – train me if you really care about it. If you really cared about training me effectively, you would pay somebody to train me hands-on, wouldn't you? You wouldn't pay for a computer to do it because that's not very effective because you don't know how well everybody's receiving that. They're just Everybody's just clicking through. Here we go. I just got to check off the box. But when you can get human – human interaction and engagement and somebody who's good at teaching a concept and making sure it gets through to their audience that if it's worth it to you <coughs> if it's worth it to you as an organization you will pay somebody to get that training I will bring that up to them everyone's going to applaud me next week on this one on this podcast. <laughs> like, hey how'd it go with your BS tracker did you ever see the general be like, yeah, he didn't care enough to come by my office? <laughs> or they'll be like, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to explain why I got written up by a by a four-star general. Yeah, there's just some trackers you don't present to a four-star general. He likes to see numbers on how many mission sorties we're flying and uh, all the training that we're doing to, uh, to prep for any type of war or conflict in the Pacific or Europe. And instead, I talk to him about bullshit. Anyway, we have a plethora of things to get through um, uh, next week. And next week, uh, next Sunday, I think I can do it next Sunday. I'm going to believe in myself. I can't do it here when I'm in Abilene, but this coming Sunday I will be in uh, Great Falls, Montana, visiting one of my besties. I won't name drop for OPSEC reasons. Um, it should be a great time. Maybe a little hiking, skiing, snowboarding, I don't know. I don't know if I want to ski or snowboard. I've never snowboarded except on a, uh, a handheld snowboard when I was 10 and 12, probably, in a backyard or in a cornfield. Like, what's a handheld snowboard? You literally stood on a snowboard. There was nowhere to lock in your feet. You just had a string that came up from the board into your hand, a.k.a. the handle, and then you'd go down. So you had to keep your feet on the board the whole time. I mean, your feet weren't attached. So I was uh, I was like the Chloe Kim of Iowa snowboarding. Let's be honest. 
was a cool cat in the cornfields. And I crushed it. A- anybody who can snowboard in a, in a cornfield could clearly, you know, easily make it down the side of a mountain in Colorado or Montana. It's home field advantage in cornfields. Next week, uh, yeah, we'll be doing the podcast from Montana up in Great Falls or thereabouts. Um, what do I want to talk about? I got some big-time card purchases that I've made. We'll talk a little bit about that. Rope in the Hilltop Card Shop business. It's booming, as always. Things are on the up and up. Uh, on track to hit the goals for this year. Currently on track. And I, I'll be honest, I've been slacking in the Hilltop Card Shop department. I have not been listing as many cards for sale as I would like. But decisions I made last year are paying off this year. Look at that. Forecast in the future. Um, we'll talk about how... Well, that's one. that one's hard to... Gambling. We're going to talk a little bit about gambling and how third grade math helped me in my, uh, in my gambling experiences. I'll talk a little bit about our trip down to Austin, which was last weekend. Last week, I spent some time with uh, my little girl, Avery, who's growing so freaking fast. Not not fast enough to be listening to this podcast. Otherwise, I'd have to talk with the... Uh, oh, we'd have quite to talk with her mom. She's not old enough to listen to Dad's podcast. I click explicit when I post it for a reason. It's to keep, keep the five-year-olds away. Can't have my daughter listen to this stuff. You kidding me? What kind of father would I be? I gotta censor my, my myself. I gotta actually parent. This is my time to kick back and relax, shoot the shit. Uh, but spent a lovely three day weekend with her, um, and then I'll actually I should get here for spring break, so I'll get to spend about seven to ten days with her, which I always look forward to. Never get to uh, to spend enough time with her, so I always look forward to. I embrace the time I have with her as much as I can. It comes and goes so fast. Um, but I always look forward to the next weekend I get to spend. Those are the ones like I circle on the calendar mentally in my head. I mean, I, I do put it in my calendar, my phone. But it, mentally, those are the weekends I have circled. Don't schedule anything. That is father-daughter time. And that is the most thing, the uh, the most important thing to me. Um, Outside of handshake lines, of course. What else we want to talk about next week? We're going to try to get you guys amped for next week. Oh, hey, munch on this one. Do hockey players ever do post-game interviews? Think about it. Not in the playoffs. Just talking regular season after a hockey match. Do they ever do... Have you ever seen a hockey player do a post-game interview? Munch on that one. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, We'll talk about some Iowa basketball. Senior night was actually tonight, so we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. Luka Garza got his jersey retired. So for all my, uh, my hometown heroes... From Iowa that, that tune into the podcast, we will talk some Hawkeye sports. It's been a few weeks. Um, we'll talk about the Montana trip itself. Who knows? I'll be with my good bud. Maybe he'll hop on, make an appearance, introduce himself to uh, to the podcast family here. We'll talk about uh, statistics. I You know I did talk about at the very beginning, and I said I'd come back to it, and I didn't? Classic fashion, right, for this dum-dum. I said I would talk about uh, statistics with the way things are trending with transgenders and the uh, the LBGTQ 
Oh man, I gotta be missing something. Alphabets. T. Did I hit them all? What's that like a third of the alphabet? At? Here's what we're gonna talk about: the A B C D E F G H I J. We're gonna talk about the entire alphabet. I just don't want to leave anybody out. And it was actually I saw a statistic of the way things are trending, um, for the future. Without giving too much away, or pissing anybody off by not giving the details there. It's really, really interesting. I thought it was a very interesting uh, fact. At least I thought it was interesting. If you don't think it's interesting, then don't fucking listen to that part and skip and hit fast forward. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. We'll talk about, you know what a phrase that uh, hit me when we talked about wedding anniversaries? When I talked about last week. Happy wife, happy life. Fuck that phrase and we'll dive into that one next week. And uh, and then I'll give an update on my BS tracker with the uh, with the old general, the general. As always, please write into the podcast, like, share, subscribe. Uh, you can hit me up at whatthehillpodcast at gmail dot com. You can follow me on Instagram at whatthehillpodcast. Uh, you can follow my personal if you want. I'm not going to give that out, but if you find it, it's linked. It's all linked. On uh, I'm pretty sure I have a LinkedIn. Maybe my OnlyFans is up on there. And if you're interested in sports cards um, and you're just curious what it is when I start talking about that stuff, you want to get a visual on it, or uh, you want to break out your card set that you've had in the basement at your parents' house that I'm sure is in the attic or the basement. Everyone has, everyone knows what I'm talking about. You open cards when you're a kid, you enjoyed it, then you just set it down. You put it into a shoebox. People still do that. Don't worry. Follow me, Hilltop Card Shop. I post some cards on there. Uh, if you want, if you're interested, I'll even talk about dollar figures and what those cards are worth and what I think they'll be worth in the future and my mindset when I collect. Uh, but hit me up, whatthehillpodcast at gmail.com. Like, share, subscribe, and I will see you guys next week from Great Falls, Montana. See ya.